Dive into The Divider, Trump in the White House, 2017 through 2021. Go inside the Trump Oval Office, from the chaotic beginnings to the violent finale, with unprecedented access to cabinet officers, top advisors, family members, and Trump himself. New York Times bestselling authors Peter Baker and Susan Glasser offer a riveting must-read portrait of America's 45th president. The Divider is in stores now. Your story, it lives in River City, where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel, where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Mile High Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me is my fellow football priest, who you know, who you love, Zach Kelberman, victoriously on the heels of his birthday weekend, running amok, painting the town red in celebration of his born day. Zach, dude, how was your weekend? It was pretty good, but you know, Chad, we take off the radio show on uh, Saturday and Sunday, and I'm honestly like always ready to talk Broncos football, so I'm throwing off my my weekly uh, habit, but I'm happy to get back on the podcast and uh, talk Broncos with you and exciting practice yesterday. So yes, let's get into. and dude, we're only, uh, we're only one month away from Sunday nights being us breaking down, you know, breaking down the game. What happened, you know, what happened today? Now there are, uh, the season opens on a Monday nighter. So that's going to be a late one for us, but for the gut reaction, but it's going to be a gas. And Zach, now that we are, two weeks i mean the majority of training camp is actually in the books because even though fans we kind of look at at training camp as kind of like we kind of mix training camp and preseason teams go once the preseason starts you're out of training camp i don't know why they necessarily parse it that way zach but if you look at it that way you've only got a few more days left of training camp so the majority of whatever is to be revealed in camp has been revealed i wrote a piece today my five takeaways but i want to talk to you first on what some of your biggest gleanings are from the first two weeks of camp. Right away, you feel the energy from Russell Wilson. I'm going top of my head. I didn't make a list or anything. This is all what I've gathered the first couple weeks of training camp. The energy, of course, with Russ and also Hackett has been tangible, has been fungible. It's been evident, whatever word you want to use, the Vic Fangio, uh, <laughs> graveyard, you know, mentality is gone in Dove Valley. Also, Chad, something even Hackett talked about and admitted is that the defense is ahead of the offense right now. And it's not that they're just ahead of them because defenses usually are at this time of the year, but they've been making plays almost every single day and all three levels, the linebackers, the defensive line, and especially the secondary. I got to give my hat tip. If I was wearing one right now, I would tip it to Azuro Evero because he's done a bang up job in just a few months as the Broncos DC. So the both sides of the ball are looking good, making plays when they have to. They've both battled back from adversity, tough practices. They've seemed to be kind of overcoming the Tim Patrick injury. 
but the the energy and the lifeblood that's back in Dove Valley. That's the number one takeaway to me. I love it. Hey guys, as Dylan remarks here, we need you to like the video, even if you uh, you know pop in for just a moment or you pop in for a second, come back, finish watching it later. Make sure you like the video. We've been really stoked to see as we have kind of emphasized it a little bit more the last week or so. You guys have heated our calls to action. It really is a small thing. Fundamentals, though, helps us grow in a big, bad way. So make sure you like this video, especially if you're on YouTube and Facebook. Sam Bam likes it. Here he is showing us some love early, saying, uh, good evening, Chad and Zach. My takeaway from the first two weeks at camp is that the Broncos are going to be good this year. Go Broncos. Zach, and thank you, Sam Bam. Seriously, much love and respect. Do you agree that it seems as if this is a team that's finally breaking out of that uh, – six-year slump, and they will be a good team this year. I mean, let's define good, though. Everyone has a different definition of that. Good for me would be 11 victories and a playoff berth. I think that's a good first season. I'm not setting the bar too low where it's like I'm expecting a nine or eight win season. I'm not setting it too high where I expect a Lombardi trophy near one with Russ and Hackett. Uh, Good for me would be to get back to the playoffs, put the Broncos back on the NFL map and make uh, double digit wins, 11 or 12 wins. That to me is a good season. And Chad, I don't see why barring injury, they can't get there. They have every piece in place, coaching staff, quarterback personnel. There's no reason why they can't get to good status, if not better. One of the things that jumped out to me is how every training camp, you're going to have casualties in one form or another. Sometimes you can avoid those season ending type of casualties, Unfortunately, the Broncos were not able to do that this time around, losing Tim Patrick and Demarie Crockett. Of course, Patrick, though, being a starter, nature, Zach, you've heard the phrase, nature abhors a vacuum. And when a starter like that goes down, it creates a vacuum. It creates a hole, an opening for people to to gun for it, to fill it. And it really seems like whether it's deserved or not, Zach, that vacuum initially, the Broncos are going to fill it with Jerry Judy, but it will be interesting to see in terms of how healthy KJ Hamler is, how quickly he's able to really, you know, be a number three, like a lockdown guy you can count on snap in snap basis, or if that's going to have to be split with Montreal. Phil, good to see you, bro. Really appreciate the the stars, my friend, but seeing how, and seriously, you're so consistent, Phil, love you, buddy. We really appreciate you and everything you do for us. Um, it's not just the Tim Patrick injury, though, Zach, or Demarie Crockett and what that does to the running back depth chart or what that does to the special teams and all that. I mean, Randy Gregory being absent throughout this entire training camp, plus he's going to be gone all preseason, creates a vacuum. And it's almost like a, a, a false sense of uh, security for some people because the Broncos will carry maybe one more rush linebacker than they ultimately will for the season out of camp because – They'll want to keep that guy just in case Gregory doesn't hit the ground running when he comes back week one. But that guy's position on the team, he's ultimately going to get the ax. It's interesting seeing how that is resolving itself, but it really feels like up to this point, Baron Browning is actually making the coaches uh, feel justified in their decision to move him up to this point. But I can't wait to see how that resolves. The real proof will be in the preseason games. I'm still stung over the Tim Patrick injury, as I'm sure his teammates are and Broncos country is. But if there's one position where they could withstand a loss, it was wide receiver. And the great thing, I tweeted this, I think it was Friday. The great thing about Hackett is his scheme gets players open. What a wild concept that is after two years of Pat Shermer. And what I mean by that is you plug a tight end in there. They've all made plays from Albert O to Dulcich to Eric Tomlinson, Eric Saubert. You plug a receiver off the street. 
like Darius Shepard. He comes in and catches a 60-yard touchdown on his first day of practice. Brandon Johnson's making plays. Montreal Washington's making plays. The great thing is they can withstand it because of the depth, and also they have the coaching acumen now to overcome that loss. Same thing for edge linebacker. You have Randy Gregory out for a little while. Good thing you have Malik Reed. Good thing you have Jonathan Cooper. Good thing you have Chris Allen, Nick Benito, Baron Browning. So it could it, it could have been better, but it could have been a lot worse as well. At least if they're going to go through these trials and tribulations with injuries, it hit the two positions where they can withstand those losses and overcome them. Uh, lots more to get to, including GLP jumping in. Appreciate you, buddy. He says, thanks for coming on and giving Broncos country our fix. Let's ride. We do appreciate that, bro. Each and every day you're here for us, and uh, it means a lot. We look forward to talking with you every single day. But quick matter of business, as you guys know, all right, for the past week, we've been telling you about this giveaway, a signed Javante Williams helmet via our sponsor, Pristine Auction. Now, pristineauction.com is the most trusted sports memorabilia auction site with a A-plus rating on the Better Business Bureau. Auctions on pristineauction.com start at just a dollar, and each day there are over a 1,000 autographed items that are available, so you win signed, authentic signatures at affordable prices, all right? And just last week, an autographed Justin Herbert jersey sold for 110 bucks, and those type of deals are happening all the time on pristineauction.com, and they have just about every player that you care that wears the orange and blue, Russell Wilson, all the key guys. Yeah, guys, every item on pristineauction.com comes with a certificate of authenticity from the industry's most reputable authenticators. Upgrade your collection of signed memorabilia today and get $10 off your first item one when you use the code HUDDLE when you sign up. Once again, pristineauction.com, use the code HUDDLE and get $10 off your first item one. That's right. And, of course, in addition to that $10 off your first item, giving away a signed Javante Williams helmet to one lucky listener who signs up using our drop. So when you go to pristineauction.com, it's going to ask you through a little drop-down menu how you heard of them. You just click Mile High Huddle Podcast, boom, that lets them know, and that enters you into the to, to the drawing for the Javante Williams helmet. So this is your chance. All you got to do is sign up on their website using our registration drop-down code, uh, for Mile High Huddle, and the links are in the description. But check it out, like Marco on YouTube. Appreciate you listening, as always, my friend. But we also appreciate you patronizing the sponsors. He says, I picked myself up an autographed Randy Gratishar jersey for a smoking price. Very cool. We thank Pristine Auction. Really cool sponsor for what we do, Zach. You know, we do a lot of different things from Manscaped to, you know, betting, fantasy football. Uh, we've done uh, – adult beverages we've done a lot of different things over the years zach but this is the one that probably we're most looking forward to because it just so fits our conversation every single day i mean it's it's sports memorabilia auction website with a a javante signed javante helmet sign us up i'm trying to think of whatever else we've done in terms of sponsors we've pretty much crossed the spectrum hopefully marco can will gratishar into the hall of fame though chad you know if not If not this year, then sometime soon. We appreciate your support, Marco. Hope you're happy with your uh, purchase. Speaking of support, we have Gregory Vendeland, who has come on strong wow. over the last month and some change as a bona fide Super Chat superstar with a bright red wow. Super Thank Chat. You. Thank you, Greg, dude. Thank Seriously. You. Really appreciate you, bro. It means a lot. And oh, my goodness, I see a couple legends. I see Dave 
from Georgia. What's going on, big dog? And I also see Levi. What's going on, Levi? Look, look, at, his, look at his beautiful T-shirt that he's rocking. MHH, hashtag let him hate, as designed by Smouse in the house, Zachary Smouse, CW Design. So it's good to see you, Levi. I hope you've been good, uh, big dog. But all right, Zach, let's get back to some Broncos topics here. Um, did you see what Nathaniel Hackett said about Baron Browning? Not yesterday was the day before, but he said that basically what they're seeing from Baron as an edge rusher, the bend, the, everything that he brings to the table is quote unquote, I can find the exact quote, but Zach, unbelievable. Yeah, he said he's coming along better than they even thought he would at this stage of his conversion. And I don't know if that's coach speak. They're trying their hardest to rationalize and defend their decision to move him to outside linebacker. But everything I've seen from practice, read from practice, and gathered from practice is that Baron Browning is pretty legit. He's giving, and this is the key words here, the second string offensive line, not the first string, second string offensive line, a lot of problems around the edge. He's beating the tackles. He's finding his way into the backfield, and I'm fine with it. I hope he blossoms at outside linebacker. My question is, how often is he going to get on the field? Because what is he, the number four guy right now at, at, at best on the depth chart. That's the only thing with Baron Browning. Still, I'm going to hammer this point home. He was a full-time starter, 17-game starter at off-ball. You move him to outside, he's a rotational guy. So he can be the next, you know, Lawrence Taylor off the edge. Won't matter if he's not on the field. That's my issue with it. Well, hopefully this these coaches, this is just me trying to find the silver lining, but hopefully, thank you, Kathy. Good to see you, by the way. Uh, hopefully these coaches are smart enough to where if they see a Lawrence Taylor caliber cat uh, on the <laughs> sideline, they're smart enough sure. to go put that man on the field. But, you know, those things can get convoluted. And by the way, very good to hear, Lawrence, that the baby girl is doing uh, doing yes. good, washing the wound twice a day. Man, glad to hear she's doing well, though, buddy. Thanks for the update. Um, but, Zach, you know, Randy Gregory coming in <laughs> – you don't know how much you're going to need the guys behind him, right? You don't know how much Baron Browning, Malik Reed, Nick Benito. I think those are the three that are probably the safest, although we'll see what happens with Jonathan Cooper. He could edge Malik Reed off the roster, depending on if he's able to really throw down Christopher Allen, you mentioned, but I haven't heard much yet about Christopher Allen making the notebooks. Well, I mean, he's been hurt, so he's getting back to football acclimation. It's going to take a little bit. He's probably a practice squad guy at best this year. Um, the thing with Browning, though, is I wonder, and this is – I'm strawmanning the argument. It's my own little speculation, but are they going to overcompensate to get someone like Randy Gregory on the field chat? Obviously, he's a full-time starter, but what about That's Nick what, Benito? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they spend you know a second round pick on them. They're gonna probably do whatever they can to justify that second round pick. Where does Baron Browning fall in that? Great rotational guy to have if he's indeed legit there. I just want to see his talent. I want the best eleven players starting on defense and an inside linebacker. You cannot convince me that Josie Jewell, Alex Singleton are better than Baron Browning. It is a dubious, uh, a dubious prospect. Although with Josie, I mean the the thing about Josie is. There's cause to be excited if you get the version of Josie we saw in those first few games last year, Zach, before he got hurt, where it really seemed like he was he had turned a corner. He was just looking better in coverage. He was a little he just seemed a little faster, a little twitchier. But then you throw into that the peck. All right. He gets hurt. He's off the field for almost a year and a scheme change. Now, I get it there. It's very similar in a lot of ways to what Fangio was doing. They kept a lot of the nomenclature so as to kind of smooth things over in the transition, but it's not the same. So I 
actually am quite optimistic that that Josie Joel is going to have himself a solid season, health willing. But you know what, Baron Browning, man, he was uh, like if you if there was none of this stuff happening with the position change, Zach, I would have said if you would have said who are the best off ball linebackers on the team, name your the top guys, I would have said I might have put Baron Browning ahead of Josie Jewell after what we saw from him as a starter from Week Nine last year on, and then Josie Jewell probably, and then of course Quentin Gr- uh, or um, Jonas Griffith, Alex Singleton remains to be seen. Justin Sternod, kind of forgettable. Barrington Wade, kind of forgettable. So then you take a guy who's arguably, all right, beauty be in the in the eye of the beholder, arguably the best at his position, and you moved him to a position where he's like the fourth. Or fifth. That's the point that Zach and I keep landing on. But at least we're hearing from the Broncos, Zach, that it seems to be working out. It's it's a passing league though. So when it comes to your top inside linebacker, I'm taking Baron Browning all day. It's great to have Jewel and run support, but who's the better man in coverage? No competition there. That's Baron Browning. He's the first uh likewise inside linebacker that can do that, Chad, that can cover a tight end, cover a running back, you know, work in space since Danny Trevathan. We've been hammering this point every year because they haven't filled that void. And we thought they got a steal in Baron Browning last year. He had a great rookie season. What do they do? They turn around and convert him. They give him the Demarcus Walker treatment. I hope it works out. I really, really do. Azero Evero, prove me wrong. Please. Your story. It lives in River City, where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel, where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. Kathy, thank you for the stars, my friend. It really does help. Every little bit, it does. She says, hi, Broncos country. I wanted to stop by, send some stars to MHH. How is Dalton Reisner doing in training camp? Because I read he could possibly be traded. Hope not. Good night from Germany and Denver Broncos for life. Thank you, Kathy. Uh, there was a rumor going around, Zach. I don't know. I haven't personally ascribed much veracity to the rumor, but there was a rumor going around in the immediate aftermath of the draft that the Broncos made Dalton Reisner available when teams would call during the draft. Now, different story than actively trying to trade Dalton Reisner because if the Broncos were actively trying to trade Dalton Reisner, I don't think it would be too hard to do that, depending on exactly what you were looking to get back, because he is still a young guy and he had a very good reputation. There was a lot of teams that liked him when he came out as a prospect. Uh, what was that, 2019? But um, now he's in a contract year, settled in. We're like, ooh, this is going to be interesting because Dalton Reisner, who's been grandfathered a starting job in each of his first three seasons, Zach, he's going to have to sing for his supper this time. Well, that uh, that singing, man, it took place quite quickly. It seems like he got an ovation from the coaching staff because he's been the guy at left guard so far this summer. Like he's he's locked down left guard once again. 
you have to also keep in mind continuity. You know, if Cushenberry is the center, I would rather keep the two starting guards next to him. And last year, that would be Reisner and uh, Quinn Miners. So he hasn't had a bad training camp, Dalton Reisner. But with any offensive lineman, you can't really tell until the game start preseason. And we'll know that Saturday against the Cowboys when the Broncos finally get to hit players that aren't their own. So, uh, you know, all good so far. It's more good news than bad news on Dalton. He seems to be penciled into that starting left guard spot, and I think he'll thrive in Butch Berry's scheme. But, Kathy, how do you pronounce your last name? Just curious. <laughs> I don't want to butcher it. I'm, I'm genuinely interested. Let me know. Uh, shout out to Albert and also Steve Hearn, who uh, gave, gave me some behind enemy lines intel. on. Uh, he, he attended a Los Angeles Chargers uh, training camp on Friday. And so then he provided me some notes for what it's worth. He said, uh, here's the takeaway. Justin Herbert and his backup quarterback. He's, he just wasn't impressed. Offense looked disjointed. He said, Zach, according to Steve Hearn. So some interesting Intel from uh, one observe, one guy's observation of one practice, but Steve, we do appreciate you thinking of us uh, while you were on the, on the road, checking that out, big dog. Uh, Lawrence Rivera with all the offensive touchdowns. Should we be worried about the Broncos defense? Zach? See, I, I was going to say to Steve's comment, I'm not overreacting one way or the other. So it's ironic, Lawrence, that you asked about this. I'm not worried if the offense beat the, beats the defense or the other way around. This is what you want to happen. This is what training camp is for. It's in the name of it, training. That's what you do. It's practice. You get these miscues and errors out of the way. You find what works and what doesn't work. You get the chemistry down, the continuity down, and you move forward. So I'm encouraged by the fact the offense has found a pulse and then some, they found their mm -hmm. life again, even without Tim Patrick. And I'm also impressed with the defense making plays for once. It's the one thing we didn't see in the Vic Fangio era, Chad. Takeaways, you know, pressure, game-changing plays. And we've seen that almost every practice, be it Simmons or PS2 or uh, an edge-rushing linebacker getting into the backfield. So I'm encouraged on both sides. It's definitely more good news than bad. Yes, and... You expect that even when Peyton Manning, I know everyone kind of looks back fondly on the Peyton years and everything is just rosy and everything was perfect. And I understand how, uh, you know, that can happen when we, when we have our kind of fan biases, but even when Peyton Manning was here, Zach, the offense would always get out to a slower start. That's just the way it goes in football because the defense initially has it a little when you talk about learning and new people being in the unit and just maybe new coachings, new, uh, new schemes, whatever. The defense always have the, has the advantage in that sense initially, because what do they do? They're reacting. They're reacting. All right, and attacking. It's whereas the offense, you know, they're having to actually strategize and scheme and get on the same page. And not to say that the defense doesn't, but it's to a different degree. And so usually you see the the defense spike early, and then the Offense, if it's if it's worth its its salt, it'll eventually, in a relatively short order, start going pound for pound. You know, um, and that's what happened. The first week, it was mostly predominated Zach by the defense, kind of uh, winning each day. I mean, Patrick Sertan smothering every wideout that would cross his path, and then in the immediate wake of the of the Patrick uh, injury, Zach, oddly enough suddenly the Russell Wilson offense begins to rise, and that should be very encouraging to fans. One thing to keep in mind as well, the defense is carrying over much of Vic Fangio's scheme. There's no carryover on offense, and thank God for that. They're not carrying over Pat Shermer's offense. So the O is starting from complete scratch, and the defense is, has a foundation still to go on. That's why they're ahead. But even so, 
even historically defenses being ahead in the offseason, even with the carryover from the Fangio scheme, the offense is still winning some days. That to me is encouraging. We know the defense is going to be good, but it, how is Hackett going to be as a coach, a coordinator, game planner, et cetera? How is Russell Wilson going to integrate with the offense? We're learning the answers to those questions. And when the offense has a good day, I'm happy about that. No doubt. No doubt about it. Um, Michael, good to see you, by the way. Really appreciate your brother. Huero, jumping in with a super chat. Thank you. Thank you, big dog. Means a lot to us. He says, I think people are looking for the Broncos to replace Tim Patrick with a wideout of similar size, but I think we may just replace him with a Washington or a Kendall Hinton. I like where your mind's going on this, Huero. It doesn't need to be another big body possession receiver. Broncos already have one of the great big body possession receivers in the league in Cortland Sutton. I'd like him to be maybe a little bit more consistent, Zach, on catching slants and, and curls, you know, short. Sometimes they have a little bit of a habit of slipping through. Not to where it's like a, a big problem, but that was never even a pro, an issue. Like it wasn't even a thought with Tim Patrick. Sutton can build on that with better quarterback play. This I have no doubt. But Jerry Judy, this is a guy who, you know, he's he, he would tell you he's he's cut out to be a number one wide receiver. And We'll see if that comes out in the wash. But, Zach, I think out of the gates, he makes for a very interesting compliment as a wide receiver, too, to Cortland Sutton because Sutton's the big-body guy, the, the possession guy, uses his frame to kind of box dudes out, catch passes underneath, and then he might not blow by you. He might not just, like, take the top off speed. But if you let him get running straight ahead vertical, you got a problem because he will go up and get the ball. He's, you know, we, we joke about him taking 50-50 balls to 80-20 balls or whatever. Meanwhile, and I know I'm, I'm waxing a little long here, but meanwhile, Zach, you've got on the other side, you give the defense a whole other set of issues to worry about in how Jerry Judy creates separation with his route running, and he's much twitchier, much more explosive. So whether it ends up being a Judy or someone like Cuero's uh, hinting at here like a Montreal Washington or Kendall Hinton, I do agree with the premise that it does not need to be another a big body possession receiver like Seth Williams or Brandon Johnson. Yeah. Or Odell Beckham or Cole Beasley, Alan Hearns. They, they need to look in-house before venturing to the open market. And I still submit to you that the Tim Patrick injury was more hurtful to Patrick than it was the Broncos. That being said though, Washington and Hinton combined aren't one Tim Patrick. They're just not, you know, one's a speed guy and one's kind of a borderline practice squad guy who we all love. So it's going to be a calling all cars scenario to me, Chad. Every receiver that's able-bodied should get on the field and try to make plays, move the chains, and try to fill that void. But I agree with you. If it falls on one singular guy to step up in Patrick's absence, it was the guy who was already on the hot seat for the coming season who you just named in Jerry Judy. He has to show why he was a first-round pick. He has to show he has a future with the Broncos, and it's not all talk, and it's not all hypotheticals. So his... The, the one thing the Broncos lose is the sure-handedness because that's the one thing Jerry Judy has shown not to have so far in his career. If he gets that down, if he cleans up the drops, you have a better receiver ceiling-wise than Tim Patrick, and I love Timmy P. Tabitha throwing down some big girl stars for us. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. You've been one of our great uh, supporters on Facebook, I would say, Zach, over the last year since we – um, decided to make that a part of what we do here. So, Tabitha, thank you so much. It's great to see you. We have missed you. Hope you've been checking out the pods, but we're just glad to have you in the chat tonight, my friend. And look who else it is. Smouse in the house. What's going on, Z-Dub? Great to see you, big doc. Um, ooh, ooh, ooh. 
We got this uh, from Orange Crush jumping in. Orange Crush 7, appreciate that, buddy. It says, thanks to MHH for the pristine auction recommendation. Got a signed Craig Morton jersey for only 27 nice. bucks, including shipping. Yo, really? That seems like a freaking steal. Awesome, dude. He says, thanks again and go Broncos. Checks in the mail, Orange Crush 7, for real. <laughs> Just, I mean, we're, we're joking here, but that's organic. That's rad, dude. Happy to hear that. Cool. Orange Crush is what I've come to know to be a DDS, a deep discount shopper. And it worked out for you with that deal. So we hope you enjoyed and thank you for using Pristine Auctions. Again, guys, if you want to follow Orange Crush's lead, pristineauction.com, use the code HUDDLE. $10 off your first item one. Um, Albert says, we don't need any wide receivers from the market. We have enough weapons. Russ has more now than he had with the Hawks last five years combined. Yeah, the Broncos are living in first world problem territory when it comes to wide receiver you know hey if you just tell any fan that the a starting wide receiver on their team went down you're going to get that knee-jerk reaction just because oh who is it tim oh no tim patrick but when the next guys up for lack of a better term are Cortland sutton former second round pick and pro bowler jerry judy two years removed from being a first round pick kj hamler second round pick that's what you're kind of left to pick up the pieces with. You know, you're not exactly you're crying the the tears of a clown here, Zach. You're you're crying the tears of a crocodile. Not for for Patrick, of course. We hate that. We we do. Uh, our heart does go out to Patrick for what he has to go through the next little bit, of course. But what we're talking about is how the Broncos move forward in the wake of that. I think first world problem is such a great way to put it. It's like in the garage, if you have a Range Rover and a G-Wagon, but the G-Wagon breaks down, like, what do we do? You still have the freaking Range Rover. You still have <laughs> Cortland Sutton, and you have a, a Hellcat in the, in, the, in the driveway as well, and Jerry Judy. So, again, it sucks for the Broncos in that sense, the receiving core. It certainly sucked for Tim Patrick, but they are deep at wide receiver, and they have a lot of players that we want to see blossom that haven't gotten a chance to. It could be a blessing in disguise in that sense uh, for those players. Sam Bam with a second super chat Thank tonight you, because he is a legend. And Sam Bam, we love you, dude. Let us show you how much we love you by sending you out some swag, dude. Shoot me an email, milehighhuddle at gmail with a uh, with your address. I know we may have corresponded in the past or you maybe bought something off the merch store, but just make it easy on us. Shoot us an email and let us uh, let us send you out a little something-something as a thank you for just every night, dude, night in, night out. It's a small thing we can do to say thank you to our great Super Chat superstars like you, buddy. He says, what is your gut feel for the number of total touchdowns for Russ this year, Zach? Is it 40-plus? Is that including rushing or just passing? I think total. so, because he's saying total. Hmm. Well, I don't see him being Lamar Jackson in his age 34 season, I think it is now. So I'm going to say I thought 36 touchdowns through the air was an accurate or realistic number. So I'm going to say with rushing, I'm going to say, you know what, 40, 36 and four. I think 40 on the money is what he'll end up on. Let's just for the sake of uh, posterity here, let's just eyeball before we get crazy. Let's just, just take a look at the last couple of years, all right? Entering his age 34 season. I know it's hard to see. For whatever reason, look, you can tell what I've been looking at at the internet, Zach. Guitars over here. Man, the algo bots—they see everything. They're watching. Um, but I can't blow this up for because I don't know why. Here's what happens when I do it. Well, actually, it's not too bad. But see how this ad gets in the way. So that's the problem. And then, yeah, go away, please. One more time. Nope, it's not going to happen. So I'm going to go ahead and and reduce it back down, and you'll just have to trust me on what I'm what I'm telling you here on the screen. But Zach, 
let's just start from 2019. All right, last three seasons. In 2019, Russ started all 16, led the Seahawks to an 11 and 5 record. He passed for 31 tutties to just five interceptions. And then he rushed for, does it show it there? No, I got to scroll down. Rush for in 19, an additional. Your story, it lives in River City, where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel, where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave, and here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. Oh, oh. Where is it? There it is. Three touchdowns. So, yeah. uh, and then in 2020, that was his biggest year production-wise in terms of touchdowns, 40 passing touchdowns uh, to two rushing touchdowns, two more last season, and then last year he passed for uh, – he passed for 25 touchdowns. So I'm going to say Russell Wilson, 71, 96. So I'm going to say, Zach, 36 is my over-under on total touchdowns from scrimmage this year for Russell Wilson. And I wouldn't be surprised if he gets over. So 34 passing and two rushing? Is that how you Some, break it down? Something like that. Yeah, I could, I could see definitely in the mid-30s range through the air, but now that I see his career numbers, it doesn't seem like he's all that fleet-footed, at least in the red zone. So, yeah, I'll say about 40 or 39. That's my final final answer. But, guys, you know, before you start thinking to yourself, oh, man, that's not enough. Uh, hello. <laughs> what's, what's the most a quarterback has passed for touchdowns-wise post-Payton in Denver? Pull it up. <laughs> uh all right, let's just let's just look real quick. Zach, grab a super chat. I'm going to pull it up real yes. quick, and I'll and I'll, we'll circle back real we quick. We have a class project today. Appreciate you, George Fox. Great show, guys. Thanks, DB4L, MHH for life. Appreciate you as always, George. We got James Richard hopping in. This is a newer name, I believe. It sounds newer, so appreciate you, James. Welcome. Thank if you, buddy. Denver, James says, if Denver has 2,000 rushing yards with Javante and Melvin, then Wilson could potentially have his greatest year on paper. I think Denver should shoot for that. They have a great D, so clock control is key. Yeah, but if they you know, if they control the clock and run down the clock, then he really can't do much through the air because if it's one or the other. The more success that Javante and Melvin have, yeah, it'll help certain plays out, taking the defense and backing them off. But if they have a prolific ground game, they're going to feed those guys till the wheels fall off, as they should, to keep Russ clean and keep the defense guessing. So it kind of works both ways. But overall, it's going to make the offense better, more explosive. They're going to score more, be more successful. And that's all I care about. We can talk about stats and numbers, Chad. I don't care about that too much. As long as the Brockers are getting into the end zone and winning games, it doesn't matter who's doing it. Amen. And by the way, James, been with us a while. It's been a while since we've seen a super from okay. James. but Welcome back. Good to see you, big dog. And Z-Dub, just because MHH opened up a door for me. Good to hear, buddy. You opened that door yourself, dude. We're just the, we're just the, the what, Zach, the, 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 the butler that 
turned it for you. Like we just did like opened it for you out of a courtesy, but you were walking through that door with or without yeah, us. That's faux sure. show, my friend. Really great to see you. Okay, get this, dude. Get this. All right. We're coming back to the topic of how many touchdowns. All right. First and foremost, in 2016, Trevor Simeon was the, the majority starter, 14 of 16 games, passed for 18 touchdowns. All right. The next year, passed for 12. All right. So, so far in two seasons, in 25 starts, he's barely beaten like uh, – that's about an average Russell Wilson season. Two seasons from Trevor Simeon in production is about an average Russ. All right. Next in 2018, Zach, Case Keenan passed for, wait for it, 18 touchdowns. Okay. Okay. Drew Locke, 2020 passed for 16 touchdowns. And then lastly, Teddy Bridgewater this past season uh, passed for 18. So the, the grand total, the most touchdowns in a season by a quarterback post Peyton is 18, 18 touchdown passes. <laughs> That's so pathetic. So when we say, and now think about it, even though the Broncos lost a lot of those games, Zach, very rarely was it just a merciless beatdown. They were in those games. All right. Now double that production and imagine what would have happened in those games. Like Russell Wilson is a, is going to put this just by virtue of his arrival and what he can do for you offensively, dude, like the production Broncos fans, it doesn't matter. I don't care if it's 40 Zach or if it's 32. Either way, it's going to be significantly more than what we've seen since Peyton Manning was here. And even the, the 2015 season, I mean, between Peyton and Brock Osweiler, that wasn't exactly prolific passing stats that year. I just can't wrap my head around how you average about one touchdown pass per game. I mean, in this day and age, even with the coaches they've had, the quarterbacks they've had, it's just incomprehensible how bad of an offense they've been. And to drive that point home further, the most they've had in the post-Peyton Manning era in one season from a quarterback was 18, you said, Chad? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Last year, in Russell Wilson's worst season of his career, he threw 25. So it's it goes without saying the Broncos are getting an astronomical upgrade under center. And I'm with you, Chad, whether it's 35, 36, 40, 41, it doesn't matter. It's going to be anything. It's going to be way better than anything we've seen since 18 walked away. And how he says, thank you, buddy, by the way. Hey, gentlemen, does 21 points per game sound crazy? And then he's got like the funny face. The energy is different. Hashtag. That's right. Yeah, if the Broncos went to all those lengths, moved the mountains, traded three players, a uh, bunch of first and second round picks, and it resulted in a 21 points per game average. George Payton, freaking Nathaniel Hackett, freaking those dudes, Howie, they're freaking getting fired. 21 points. No, it, I think it's going to be somewhere around between 23 and 24 points per game. And if you look at the metrics, that puts you in a very favorable position in terms of likelihood to make the playoffs. So like 24, that's kind of the benchmark in the modern NFL. Um, so 21, that's pushing like Drew Teddy territory. And even though three more points beyond that doesn't sound like that much, it actually, in the final analysis, it means a lot in terms of statistically odds, likelihoods of teams winning games and thus making playoffs. We're sharing a brain tonight, baby, because I looked up the Broncos points per game last year on offense. And what do they average? 19.4 with those aforementioned quarterbacks. So if you don't think Russell Wilson's worth more than two points per game and Hackett and the players they've added, then you got another thing coming to you. I can definitely see not 30 per game. That's a little too homeristic, but definitely 23, 24, maybe 25 points per game. Patrick, uh, 
Patrick's been uh, trying to figure out how to stream games from Hawaii. Uh, stream real time. I would suggest to one. Here's the easiest thing to do. All right. Get a YouTube TV subscription. Okay. It's going to cost you for the season and then you cancel it after the season. It's just a month to month thing. It's not like you're signing a contract, but you get a, a Google TV subscription, which will give you the main network channels. All right. But see, the problem with that is then what it wants to do is show you whatever is in your local market televised. So whatever football games, probably West Coast, you know, the California, Seattle teams, et cetera. Um, but you want to circumvent that by and I assume when you say streaming, maybe you're, you're probably talking about your phone or a device or laptop. It's a little bit harder to do what I'm about to tell you through a television stream. But uh, then you get a VPN. If you're smart, you already have a VPN for your devices. All right. Virtual private network. And with most virtual private networks, you can input in there whatever the geographic location is you want it to say. Like you can you can tell the Internet you're in Denver. You can tell the Internet you're in Timbuktu. All right. But if you tell the Internet through your VPN that you're in Denver and you have YouTube TV that's operating based on what the phone is communicating through your VPN, then it will show you whatever is local playing on those networks in Denver. That's probably the best thing that I would suggest to do, Patrick. Or get on Google and just try to find a streaming site. I'm not going to give any away. I don't know how that would affect our our podcast. But like, mm -hmm. if you go on Google and type in free stream, you know, NFL, whatever game you want to watch, if you Google enough, you can find one probably. You can find it. Yep. Marcus, across the pond, what's up, bro? Really good to see you. Appreciate the, the stars, as always, my friend. We really, really do appreciate that. Great to see you. Um, Howie says, okay, guys, who scores the first touchdown Ooh. of the season? That's a really good question. Um, I'm going to say, you know, they, I'm, I'm told that you, if you go with your gut, you'll be right nine times out of 10. So my gut impulse was to say, oddly enough, Zach, Melvin Gordon. I don't want that to be the case. I hope it's Javante <laughs> Williams or somebody else to be frank, but he's a vulture, dude. I think he'll continue to vulture. Like Javante's best hope is Hey, when you cross the 50, like start figuring out what it means to break off 35 and 40 yard touchdown runs, because when you get inside the 20s, it's going to be hard for these coaches to uh, to not want to put in Melvin Gordon. He's just so good in the red zone. It's like one of his things. We, we are definitely simpatico tonight because I was going to say Javante. They're going to get down to like the two or three on the first series or whatever and just punch it in with Javante being the battering ram that he is. But just to change it up a little bit as a wild card, I'm going to say Eric Saubert. You know, he's obviously going to make the team look good with Russell Wilson. I think, again, if they get to the five or the four, little play-action boot wide open back of the end zone, that's six. We shall see. It's going to be fun. James, with number two tonight, Super Chat. Thank you, James. You the man. He says, wouldn't a Terrell Davis-type running game, 2,000 yards, 1998, open up deep play-action and straight drop-back deep passes, forcing that secondary up? Yeah, if you read the five takeaways today from yours truly, one of the things I talked about was how the offense is coming together and it takes time for a West coast offense to like be exacted with precision. But the idea is if you think back to the Mike Shanahan glory years in Denver, you might think to yourself, Oh, that was a run first offense. Not really. It was just run high was high priority because everything kind of funneled through what that did to the defense. But when it was working and this is what the Broncos are going to hope to do when it's working and you're consistent, then what happens? They start stacking the box. Okay, cool. Well, when you stack the box, you have a quarterback that is arguably the most accurate deep ball passer in the league now. 
that's thrown to guys that can go up and, and turn a 50-50 ball into 80-20. Then they come down with one or two of those. All right. Even one in a game is all it takes. All of a sudden, they stop cheating and they can't stack the box. And then the running game keeps ch- just brutalizing them. And then it just becomes a vicious cycle wherein the defense, Zach, is damned if they do, damned if they don't. That's the idea behind what they're trying to do. So it's going to be fun to see if they can really um, implement it diligently. Yeah, James, I don't know if this was a follow-up to my comment about, you know, the running game helping the pass up, but it, like I said in the first time, it's going to help certain plays. If you have a prolific running attack on any given down, you do play action, suck those people in the box, they, and you're cooked through the air. But here's my counterpoint to that. If you have a Terrell Davis type, if you have a 2,000-yard rusher, you're going to give him the ball. You're going to feed that workhorse until that workhorse can't take it any longer. So that's why I feel like it's going to be one or the other. You're not going to have a 2,000-yard rusher and a 5,000-yard passer. It's going to kind of uh, ebb and flow with both sides. Phil says, no, no, no. Russell hits Cortland Sutton for a tutty. That's how the ice it. gets broken in 2022. Hey, I'm not going to care either way. Like As right. long as the Broncos score a touchdown on their opening possession, that's the thing I'm going to be like rooting for. The Duchess jumping in. Great to see you, Michaela. Legendary Mile High Huddle, Mount Rushmore, Super Chat Superstar. She says, hi, Chad and Zach. Sorry I was late. Much love to y'all. It's all good. Better late than never. We're just happy to that you're able to join the conversation. And there's a little uh, something-something coming your way, Michaela, by the way. We're sending you out a little T-shirt for, as a thank you for everything you do for us. So let me know when you get that. We'll put it on Instagram or whatnot. Love you, Michaela. You know who I hope gets the first touchdown of the year is Jerry Judy because he had zero last year. It would just be the ultimate redemption uh, storyline for Judy. I hope he gets it this year. Too many people are criticizing him, Chad, dogging him, clowning him. I I think he's in for a big season. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. It would be poetic if it is Jerry Judy who hits Pater kind of ushering in the Russell Wilson era. Like I said, there's so many like uh, worthy options. It's going to be really, really cool to see exactly how it pans out. Uh, Marcus says, MHH and all Broncos fans, love and respect. Great show as always. Thank you. Uh, would be lost over here without your great news. Well, dude, we'd be lost without you, my friend. We love you. We appreciate you. Um, okay. There's something, you know, when you have a good producer and the hosts get off into the weeds and and they start in these weird conversations with uh, the great members of the community, he does something like this. He digs up actual statistics. Scott, shout out. 14 teams were averaged 25 points or better last year. So as he says here, average. I like the chances of Denver being better than average. So 25 points. Maybe that is the magic number now, Zach. 
That's a great uh, pull from Scott there. And Chad, I think you said it best. If they average 21 points a game and everyone's healthy, there's no major injuries, then something is seriously wrong. They should be well over that mark. Um, Zach, got a few questions about the fist fight that took place yesterday, day 10 of Broncos camp between McTelvin Ajim, big defensive lineman who throwing haymakers with a with a hand that is turns out is not made of um, adamantium like Wolverine's claws. It's actually made of bone, flesh, tendon, you know, those things, they're fallible. You can hurt them into a composite helmet made of like really hard armor polymer. He did that uh, to Ben Braden. They got into it. And uh, of course the coaches broke it up, said, go to your room. They were sent to the locker room, cooled down. They came back out. Nathaniel Hackett kind of made them hug it out. All right. And uh, they went back to practice, Zach. So that there's been a couple other little chippy moments, but that combined with Garrett Bowles, Bradley Chubb's kind of annual dust-ups. Is there anything to read into there? I'm happy uh, Ajim didn't break his hand, for one. You know, he escaped that unscathed. Uh, Number two, these things happen. And I said it with Chubb and Bowles. It happens every training camp, almost with every single team. It's part of the summer it's hot out there they're practicing almost every single day taking rep after rep after rep and Braden being an interior lineman and Ajim being an interior defensive lineman they're going like this constantly and it gets old after a while and emotions boil over it's a game filled with passion testosterone and just a lot of uh, juice and it happens it's not going to be a story you know two days from now it should have been a story to begin with Andrew Baker what's going on big dog he says, with the offense being new and opponents scouting us, should audibles be a big part to keep the mystery? Well, they should, and they will. They will. It's a big part. When you have a veteran quarterback that is cerebral, that can handle that workload, that can handle the responsibility, the pressure, the timing of it all, like Peyton Manning, you know, when they'd call a play in the – you know, he'd get the play in or whatever – He'd call two plays in the huddle and then they'd have, you know, code or whatever for if they were going to run the play called or if they're going to, based on what the defense does, you're going to see similar things. I mean, Russell Wilson's one of his biggest plays that he made this past week was an audible Zach that he hit Cortland Sutton on a 35 yard touchdown during two minute drills. So that's definitely going to be part of the tapestry as it were. That's a great point. And I would be really surprised guys, if the Broncos showed anything offensively or defensively for that matter in preseason. They're probably going to keep the audibles and the real plays that they want to run uh, for week one against Seattle. But that comment by Tabitha right there is hilarious. She says, I will be happy with no three and outs on the first drive. Amen. No uh, run, run, pass, punt. Here's the thing, though, guys. I agree. All right, Tabitha. But if the Broncos, God forbid, go three and out on their first possession of Russell Wilson, don't go run into the cliff. It's going to be okay. I promise you. So many moving parts in terms of things coming together. There will be. It's not going to be total utter domination out of the gates, guys. I mean, at least if if it is, it's unlikely. It's going to take a little bit of time. But what you do is along the way as they're going through the trial and error learning curve, you're trusting the wherewithal and the talent and the acumen of Russ and his resume, and you're trusting that Nathaniel Hackett has one of 32 elite jobs in the NFL for a reason, and that it's going to get there sooner than later. So if it is a three and out to open the season, I'm not reading into that one bit, not to say that I expect it to be, but how he says who snags the first pick and then who takes it to the house. How many picks were the defense at? 
Same guy who had the first pick last year, I'm pretty sure. That's Patrick Sertan. He had a pick six against the Vikings. Great start to his career. Um, it's either going to be him or uh, Simmons. Maybe k as a sneaky dark horse, but I'm going PS2. I'm just riding that all first-team All-Pro train so freaking hard. How many picks total for the defense? I don't know the who led the league or the magic number for the number one spot. I'm going to say they're going to be in the top five, though. They're going to create pressure on a consistent basis, and that pressure will lead to more fumbles and more interceptions. I don't know if you remember this, Scott. Amen, by the way. I do think it's going to be – Justin Simmons has led this team in interceptions the last few years. I think it's going to be Sertan this year for what it's worth. Even though quarterbacks are going to go away from him, I think he finishes with the most picks on this team. Uh, Chase, Perna, Brandon Perna used to work with Chad. He, yeah, he was Perna was a founding member of MHH um, staffer, and he made videos and did all that for us back in the day. This was almost 10 years ago. It's been a long time. Scott, I don't know if you remember this, but I would, in our old system, all right, back on the scout days, I would upload them into the – what do we call that, dude? I, I can't remember. It was so bad. I had to use HTML and everything. It was a drag. Anyway, and I and Perna would walk the line, right? Pretty – sometimes he would maybe put a tiptoe over uh, the line of uh, what might be – what you might expect to see on, say, ESPN or Sports Illustrator or something like that. I started getting a little bit nervous, and, then, and I emailed you guys. I'm like, I don't know. Is this a little too raunchy? And you emailed me back. Dude, you probably don't even remember this, but you emailed me back one time on Perna videos. No, we love the raunch. Keep it coming. Enter. Send to Jensen. I was like, okay, we're cool. But then Perna, you know, he had such a great thing going on YouTube that eventually it was like, what am I doing here? I'm going to go do my thing on YouTube. And so, yeah, we're about due. We'll, we'll have to reach out to Brandon and see if he wants to come have a conversation maybe before the season starts, Zach. And another great stat poll by our producer, Scott. He said Cowboys were first with 26 uh, interceptions last year. I said, take away. Mm. I, think it's, I think it's interceptions only, right? It's do, not takeaways. Do, yeah, so who what what was the corner that had like freaking half of those? Trevon Diggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah. also gave up like a hundred yards a game, so he was definitely the epitome of Fe- hit or miss. Fe- feast or famine. Yeah, for um, sure. Anyway, guys, we're about out of time here. So any burning questions, get them in and we shall discuss them. But Zach, before we do dip on out of here for tonight, uh, there is one last thing that I wanted to uh cover with you relative to where is it? Where did it go? Hold on. Stand by. Um, gosh dang it. I can't find it now. Oh, here it is. Lloyd Cushenberry. Okay. turns out um, I put you in suspense for something that's going to be a little bit anticlimactic, but turns out, Zach, would you believe Lloyd Cushenberry said that Russell Wilson likes his uh, the, the laces on the ball snapped in a specific way? Quote, when Russ is under center, he likes to have the laces there's a certain way that I have to hold the ball to get him the laces right away so he doesn't have to waste time finding them before he throws it, close quote. Now, I bring that up to you, Zach, only as an illustration, not that who cares about laces, whatever. Every quarterback has his own little predilections. But what I love hearing about that, Zach, is just the details right, of Russell Wilson, the, the, the devils in the details, like really um, immersing in the nuance and finding joy and passion and, and whatnot in the small things and the little tiny things like where the laces are when the ball hits my hands on a snap, like that's one small example that can lead to big things over a large sample size. And I just think that's really as, as lame as it might sound or inconsequential. It's just another example of how quarterback 
competency has returned to Denver. Laces out, Lloyd. That's the first thing I thought of. The <laughs> second thing was, Chad, the Broncos went from having a quarterback that was throwing fumbles and Brock Osweiler when he came back. Now they have a quarterback <laughs> that cares about the laces to a football. So it's a great upgrade once again. And if anything, this to me cements Lloyd Cushenberry as the uh, starting center. Because if he's getting that work down with Russell Wilson and he's not being pushed by anyone, we can safely assume he'll be out there at the pivot in week one. We're talking about a team over the last six years throwing fumbles, practicing incompletions. Like it's just been some. <laughs> it was the Monday night games. game. I think it was against the Texans. <laughs> yeah. It was so bad. Oh, okay. Man. Okay. All right. Last one. And then we're going to dip for tonight. James with super chat number three this evening. Thank you. Thank you, big dog. Hope we see you tomorrow night, by the way, Monday night. It's going to be dope. Uh, he says, what are your thoughts on Nick Benito? Zach, what say you? I think he looks like a, a what he was coming out of college, and that's an underdeveloped, raw, but talented pass rusher. And he's worked, and this is the problem, once again, is when you have the starters and you add to a luxury position, he's not getting the reps with the first-teamers you know, uh, on a majority basis. He's working with the backups. But to that extent, he he's impressed Evero with his bend and him and Baron Browning both. It's going to be, I don't want to say a redshirt season for Nick Benito, but anything you get out of him, in my mind, is going to be a bonus. They made that pick for 2023 and beyond. If Bradley Chubb departs after this year, if Randy Gregory can't stay healthy, gets suspended, you know, God forbid, that's where Benito would come in. But in the meantime, it's about getting him NFL-oriented in a conditioning program, going through the practices, getting him up to speed in the playbook. Once he gets that, his, his feet literally underneath him, he'll be ready for a full-time role or close to it. So it turns out that in the NFL, playing rush, linebacker, playing on the edge, it's more than just chasing after the guy with the ball. And those uh, intellectual, cerebral demands are what Nick Benito is dealing with right now. Here's what Hackett said, which I think is a pretty good illustration for Broncos fans wanting to know what their kind of version of a first-round pick this year is looking like in camp. All right, Nick Benito was the team's first pick this year. Of course, last pick in the second round, but it was Denver's first selection of the of the class. Here's hacking on Benito. Quote, he's done a really good job. For him, there's a lot more calls, and there are a lot more things that are going on compared to what it's been like in college football. That's always the transition that goes on with any rookie, but you could see his speed. He has that athleticism. You can see the ability for him to bend. There's still some of those little hiccups here and there with all the adjustments because his game is a, or this game is about communication, especially with how we like to stress the guys out. So they like to throw a lot on them. We like to motion and do all kinds of stuff. Slow it down, speed it up. You can't just line up in one spot like you did at Oklahoma and rush. You just have to do a great job of talking to your other people and knowing what's happening. That is what he has to work on, Zach. So not just the communication component, but just knowing his responsibility. Because in the NFL, man, you are a you are a one cog in a machine featuring 10 other components. And if one of those is not doing what it should be, it can throw the whole thing off. And that can be a little overwhelming for a young player that's trying to figure out how to do this thing. It's going to take a little bit of time for Nick Benito. But I think best case scenario for him this year, is by the time you get to your stretch run, I mean, if you think about Shane Ray, and I, I don't want to compare Nick Benito to Shane Ray too much, but this is just one example of a similarly challenged, young, athletic, kind of lighter edge rusher, more of a speed rusher, all right? He didn't really impact and affect anything 
until the Broncos got down the stretch and into the playoffs. And then all of a sudden, Shane Ray was being used a lot more to spell Vaughn, to spell DeMarcus Ware, and he would help with those pressures. And it came out in the wash in a very beneficial way. That's kind of what I expect to see from Benito as a rookie, although I sure as hell hope his ultimate destiny is significantly better for the Broncos than what Shane Ray provided him. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I'll keep my comments brief because we have an amazing amount of generosity from Dale waiting for us. Thank you uh, in advance, preemptively, thank you. But it's big fish, small pond syndrome for Nick Benito. You know, in college, he was a great white shark, and now he's a minnow in, in a tiny pond. It's That's the life, like you said, of an edge rusher transitioning to the NFL. And when you read those quotes to me from Hackett on Benito, I, I heard two words, developmental season. 2023 and beyond anything they get out of him this year as a rotational guy will be the cherry on top of a great defense. Speaking of cherries on top, Dale is the cherry on top of our community. And we are just so grateful, thankful to have you with us, my friend. And not just because of these super chats, very helpful. You should see the number of lights that are on right now for me and Zach, just to do this podcast. Lots of lights right now. Generally speaking, you, you help keep the lights on here at MHH. And he said, and and then also, dude, just like you're just you, you're the dude, you're the guy. We've gotten to hang out with you a couple times. Are we going to see you in September though? Are you going to be there for week three? I hope so, bro. Hope so again. He says, great discussion today. Love hearing the strength at Edge. Nothing but good can come from it, even if we do a midseason trade because of too much talent, a la Von Miller last year. Peyton said, we will have more picks before the draft. I guarantee it. He actually said that too. Use the G word. I want to see three tight end sets with our backs too. See you on the dude. I answered. He answered the question again. It happens every freaking time. That's going to be awesome. Can't wait to see you, brother. Really can't. But yeah, you know, especially if Baron Browning Zach continues his, um, if he continues to impress and it converts from just the practice field to you see it pop on the preseason field and then you can start trusting that you're going to see it in the regular season if the Broncos call his number because, you know, Malik Reed, he's a good cleanup guy and he's a good guy to have kind of, you know, break glass in case of emergency type fail safe, but, like, he's not going to ever be that guy that can affect the game. And Baron Browning has a chance to be that guy if everything comes together. And if that happens, like Dale's talking about, maybe you can deal away a Malik Reed to a pass rush needy team somewhere approaching the, the trade deadline. I think the hope for the Broncos is one of their young three guys, either Chris Allen, Baron Browning, or Nick Benito, they are a hit, at least one of them. And if they are, like you said, they can move on from Malik Reed. They can move them up on the depth chart over a Jonathan Cooper type. So that's the that's the beauty of having depth, something the Broncos haven't had for quite a while on their roster is you can develop the younger guys and, and get better as the season goes on. Uh, Dale's other comment here about three tight end sets, that'd be pretty cool. Let's say you have Albert O. Dulcich and Eric Saubert out there. All those guys can catch. You have a couple guys who can block. You have a running back, depending on who it is in the backfield, that can uh, catch and run the ball. I'm, I want to see what Hackett can do in the red zone when you get down to those big packages. I'm right there with you, Dale. Seriously, looking forward to seeing you in a little month and a half, month and a half or so. It's going to be so cool. Thank you so much, bro. But, uh, Zach, should we dip on out of here for tonight? I think that's a great uh, comment to end on is Dale's uh, amazing show of generosity. Thank you so much again, Dale. That's going to do it, though, for the Mile Huddle podcast. Keep it locked to the Twitter account at Huddle Up Pod for more. We're back on tomorrow night, same, t- same time, same place, but follow us in the meantime. And follow the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle. 
Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen, myself at Kelberman NFL, and Scott, our producer at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want a hat like Chad's wearing, all of our merch right there, huddleuppod.com. Check that out when you can. And facebook.com slash mylahuddlepod. Like that page and follow that page. And guys and gals, if you haven't, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some merch each and every single month. But if you can't do those things, as you see ticking below you, please subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really, really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Yeah, just make sure you hit that little like button right, real quick before you dip on out of here. We're, we're about done. And also, <clears throat> take it from not only Zach and myself, but guys like Orange Crush 7. Uh, take it from guys like Marco. You want to be utilizing Pristine Auction. The link is in the description. You, you do the drop down that shows Mile High Huddle podcast, and then that enters you into the Javante Williams giveaway. All you got to do is register. You don't have to buy anything to be entered into the Javante Williams uh, signed helmet giveaway. So link is in the description of this video, wherever you're watching it. Take care of that. And then uh, Zach and I will see you tomorrow. And another shout, guys, if you want to hear us before the podcast, we're on back on the radio waves, 98.1 FM in Denver, milehighsports.com tomorrow, 2 o'clock Mountain Time, 2 to 3 o'clock Monday through Friday. Check us out if you are so inclined. But until we see you guys tomorrow night, take care. Have a great rest of your Sunday. And as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. I'm Su Lin Wong, host of The Prince, a new podcast series from The Economist. It's about China's leader, Xi Jinping. He's the most powerful man in the world, but he remains a mystery. His story is hidden behind a brutal censorship and propaganda machine. After 10 years in charge, it looks like he'll break convention to stay on, perhaps for the rest of his life. I'll tell the real story of China's leader, the lessons he learned from watching his parents lose everything and from rising through the ranks of a vicious regime. Now, he's using those lessons to control over a billion people. He's changed China, he's changed my life, and the decisions he makes affect us all. To understand what's next, you need to know where he came from. Listen to The Prince from The Economist, wherever you get your podcasts. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register.